Alright, hold on, let me just look something up. How to be funny. Oh, would you look at that? There's a WikiHow article right here. That's Developing good. a sense of humor. Oh, Learn yes. a little about what makes you laugh. Pro- probably funny stuff. I agree. Appreciate irony. There we go. That's my type of thing. Irony? Uh, you're a really cool person. Huh. I don't get it. <laughs> Put yourself under the spotlight. I don't think you struggle with that one. What? Memorize some one-liners. All right, give me your best one-liner. Okay, all right, all right. Um, um, why did the chicken cross the road? Why? Because. That was a two-liner. <laughs> <laughs> Brought in your factual knowledge for joke material. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now that we've learned how to be funny, hit me with your best joke. Uh, 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 uh. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the <laughs> Nyx podcast, a Star Wars reference almost as obscure as this podcast. And I know that intro sucked, but we're going to roll with it. Are we? Well, uh, finally, the Artemis 1 saga is going to be completely closed. Well, sorry, no, not completely closed, but it's going to be closed for now because Artemis 1 finally launched uh, yesterday, actually, huh? Uh, At the time of recording this, it's November 17th. When this comes out, it might be December 1st. Who knows? Um, Hopefully it doesn't take that long. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think it will, but... uh, that would be like almost as long as it took for that silly <laughs> rocket to launch. Yeah. So yeah, Artist One was finally able to launch and is now in outer space. It will be coming back on December 11th. So that's like basically a whole month's journey, which actually I don't know if we mentioned this in episode three of the podcast, because that's when we really went into Artemis One. But people like forget like how far the moon really is. That, from... seems, that seems really short of a mission, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, but I mean, that's I was I was on the NASA back go site. You know, that's what they said. I don't know what to tell you. I I mean, it's long relative to most travel that you might do in your lifetime, but also like that seems really short for a rocket like going all the way out to the moon and back. Yeah, I think it said something like 1.3 million miles traveled or something. Wow, like there and back, making pretty good time. Yeah. I mean, we have, like, advanced since the 60s, you know? Yeah, even if only slightly on the space side of things, because we're just now going back to the moon. Yeah. But hey. Uh, I mean, we, we could have done it earlier. I just don't think we felt like a big necessity to. We were too busy building the space station and the Hubble Space Telescope, and now the... Uh, James Webb Space the Telescope. The James Webb... Yeah, that one. That's true. I guess we need more driving factors for innovation in space yeah but uh, it's just nasa doing what nasa wants to do pretty much which can be good or bad (laughs) it it depends but we get to finally colonize and steal all the resources from the moon yeah so that'll be fun american taxpayer dollars to good work as usual of course always always we always do that but yeah uh artist one will be returning 
on December 11th, and I was actually looking, and the re-entry speed is going to be Mach 23. Wow. So, pretty really fast. going to take advantage of, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Probably <laughs> <laughs> the atmospheric resistance. I mean, yeah. I guess you got to have some pretty advanced materials to re-enter the atmosphere at that speed and not burn up. Yeah. So that'll be um, that'll be interesting for actually, sure. Actually, when I first read on the website, uh, I saw Mach 23, but I wasn't paying too close attention, and I thought it said March 23rd, and I was like, <laughs> wow, it's going to take till March 23rd to come back from the moon? <laughs> I was like, I know it takes long, but I didn't, I didn't think it took like like that five long. months. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, five months feels more on the time scale that I would expect. But, but the like, moon isn't that far because it's eight yeah, months really, to Mars. It's yeah, eight really, months to Mars. So. Yeah, the moon is not that far away. Yeah. No. Especially, yeah, like you said, relative to like going to other planets. Yeah. But cool stuff happening. I don't remember. What did they say that they were actually doing on the mission? Do you remember? Um, I think they were just going to circle the moon. They might be doing it multiple times. And I think they were going to also like release some satellites or something. To like, oh. I guess, measure stuff. I don't really know what they're doing. I'm not a space guy. Yeah, I think it's all part of the eventual... Um, <clears throat> I think the real end goal is the Mars Base Camp project. Uh, yeah. Headed up by Lockheed. I think... Basically, I, they consider the moon to be a stepping stone to go to Mars. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think they plan on setting stuff up on the moon and then eventually... Go to Mars. I don't want to go yeah. to Mars. That sounds like a terrible, light, terrible time. Yeah. Does sound pretty rough. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not necessarily against it. There are some people that are like, for some reason, really against it. Yeah, I don't know. If it if it advanced enough in my lifetime, I would consider it. But it would need to come a considerable way before then. Well, like, I mean, I'd can I I mean, I like, I would never go regardless. Oh, like I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying like oh if it advanced enough to where it was very safe and nothing could go wrong. No, it's like if everything was safe and nothing could go wrong and everyone else was like, we're going to Mars, baby, I'd be like, see you later. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like Wally from the hit Pixar show. Wally. Wally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd just be here living amongst the trash. Yes. Well, hopefully we haven't degraded <laughs> to that by the time everyone wants to go to Mars. But well, if we're referencing Wally. Hey, it's, I'm sure it's not that bad. Speaking of other things that you wouldn't do, uh, you said you wouldn't eat lab-grown chicken? Yes. I wouldn't do that. Interesting. That sounds... So, the news is this week, the FDA, um, for those non-American viewers, if we have any, that's (laughs) the government organization here in the U.S. that decides what we are and aren't allowed to eat. The Federal (laughs) Department of Agriculture. I don't think that's right. I don't think so either. But, moral (laughs) of the story... They approved some lab-grown chicken. Well, when when we say approved, they didn't, like, fully approve lab-grown chicken. What they did is they, like, they said the, like, the pre-market, like, analysis or whatever had been completed for one specific company. I can't remember the name of it all of a sudden. So, yeah. like, their specific lab-grown chicken is, like, okay, yeah, but they haven't, like, al- approved everybody to make Yeah, they've approved chicken. a company to sell lab-grown chicken. Yes. Here in certain parts of the United States, which I think is very interesting just because, like, you know, we make a lot of other stuff that we eat. Like, why not chicken? I don't know. 
But that's weird, though, because it's livestock. It is weird to think about. It's whack. But, like, honestly, if we think about some of the weird stuff we eat already, like, I don't know, there was this documentary that came out. It's been a good while ago now. But this documentary was talking about what's in, the like, McDonald's chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, this weird mystery pink mush <laughs> that they Is... form into chicken nuggets. Oh, yeah, but it still comes from chickens. Well, I don't know, man. It's, like, really processed and <laughs> disgusting. So what's the difference, then? Well, no, that's I don't eat McDonald's chicken nuggets either because I think they're gross. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. I okay. think they're gross. They don't even taste good. Sorry, all my McDonald's fans out there. <laughs> do, um, do you eat, do you eat hot dogs? Uh, no, nah, I don't really like hot dogs. I'll eat them occasionally, but it's only the beef dogs. I don't have the pork ones. Because mm. there are some hot dogs that are very much also mystery meats. Nope, I do Frank's hot dogs every day of the week. Hmm, interesting. So you're saying if you go over to somebody's house and they put a hot dog in front of you, you're like, hey, is this a Frank's hot dog? Otherwise, I'm not eating it. I'm kosher, so yeah. Oh, oh okay. I'm a Jew. <laughs> yeah. Okay, stop attacking right. my heritage. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Clarify, I'm, I'm not a Jew. I don't want to get canceled for <laughs> yeah. pretending that I'm something that I'm not. Please, I'm sorry, internet. <laughs> Cancel Neist. Anyway, um... I don't know. I think we eat enough weird, random mystery stuff that I would be okay with at least trying um, some lab-grown chicken. I just, I hate, I hated the way the company owner explained it. He said it's like brewing beer, but instead of growing <laughs> micro, micros, like micro, like forgot the word all of a sudden, and like yeast and stuff, we grow cells. And Proteins I was like, cells, why'd you yeah. say that like that, man? It, it is kind of gross back. to think about, like... Like it I want to, I want to see, a, I want to see a time lapse of the chicken I don't. being grown. I don't already want to eat it. I don't want to see what it looks like being grown. <laughs> I think it, I don't know. I think it'd be weird. But are you saying you would eat it? Are you saying you would eat it? I think so. A part of it, I would try it at least once. Also, I'm gonna die on this hill. This is the one thing I'm okay for getting canceled for. They were like, "This is useful because a quarter of our of our." Like greenhouse gas emissions are from the agriculture oh. <laughs> industry, and this will help with that. And I'm like, shut up! They're like climate change, and I'm like, all right, I agree there is climate change. I don't agree that it's to the degree where everything's gonna die and be ruined, and we're gonna be in desolation in the next ten, twenty years. Yeah, like, like well, I even... think that's such a stupid reason. That's such a stupid reason. The agriculture is not causing that much of an issue. I think like, I think people are definitely too alarmist about it. Even if you go read. Like the um, uh, the UN reports on this stuff, people were saying that like worst case scenario, if we continue ramping our emissions, I think they were saying that we would end up desolate in like ninety years or something. Um, <clears throat> I think I don't know, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I think we're in a pretty good place still, um, as long I as am. we keep taking measures. But I also agree with you. I'm I'm definitely not an environmentalist by any means. This is not. Like, oh, I want to eat lab-grown chicken because I think we need to stop having chickens. Like, mm-hmm. this is just more like, I think it's interesting. And I think it would be different to try it. Um, the article I was reading, um, the individual actually did try the chicken in a couple of different settings. And um, they said it actually tasted pretty good. Um, other than, like, there was a little bit of a texture thing going on. Um, I think they described it as, like, it wasn't as springy as you would expect it to be. It kind of collapsed when you bit into it. 
Oh, like salmon or something? Ew. So it would be a little bit like unsatisfying to eat, but I think if it tasted good, I think that's really good in concept. I'm a texture eater. I could never. Well, but I don't think that's their final version that they're bringing to market either, right? Yeah. Uh, it was just like something that's finally been approved by the FDA to sell for people to eat, right? So they're going to keep uh, improving on it. But I think, I don't know. It's interesting, especially in like cheaper chicken dishes, you know, where it's like the flavor of the chicken itself is not an essential part of the dish. Yeah. It's more there to provide substance. And I guess also assuming that this isn't the most expensive to produce, it would also make it a lot cheaper compared to... I I doubt that's going to be a benefit of it. I highly doubt it's going to be cheaper than regular chicken, at least not at first. Well, no, not at first. But that's my point is eventually if it's like mass produced and stuff, I just, I don't see the general public still being up to that at this point though. (laughs) Um, I did like what the, the what they said though in the article. Uh, they were like, I think this was the boss talking again. He's like, he's like, this isn't vegan or alternative <laughs> meat or vegetarian. This is chicken. This is chicken, but it's grown from cells. And I was like, thank you, finally, an alternative yeah. that is still protein. Get yeah. wrecked, all you vegans. Nobody likes you. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's definitely different, right? It's not like your typical environmentalist. Oh, we need to be vegetable based and <laughs> I accidentally just ended the recording. And we're back. It didn't happen. Mid sentence. I know. Which might like, get cut out, but mid sentence like I was talking about chickens. Yeah. And I just hear the little noise that's like the recording has been stopped. <laughs> it wasn't even like a pause or anything. Like, no. <laughs> mid sentence uh that was terrible. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was saying. <clears throat> I don't remember either, to be honest. With you. Oh, yeah. I was talking about the chicken and how it's good that people are coming up with an alternatives that people actually want to eat. Yeah. Right? Because it's like all of the existing alternatives, like the impossible meat and stuff, that has a target audience, and the target audience is environmentalist. Yeah, <laughs> and we should put them all away somewhere (laughs) well they're the kind of people that are willing to sacrifice eating good food because it's supposedly saving the environment and that's not that's that's not not appealing to the general public and it's not useful to accomplish their missions which i think that's the most ironic part is they're all like trying to promote all this terrible meat alternatives (laughs) it's like you're not accomplishing your mission because you're just like making everybody never want to eat alternative meats yeah because they suck (laughs) <laughs> right. Anyway. I don't know. I don't I see people. It. I don't see people. Have I convinced you to try into... it at least? No. No, you still wouldn't try it. No. <laughs> I stand I firm. I mean, people... If it makes if it makes a sick YouTube video, then you know I'm all I'm always Probably down. Would. Probably would. Always down. Can we get our hands on? Can we like reach out to <laughs> yeah. the company and be like, hey, hey, I know we're small, but like, can we just can we get a sample? Try some. We'll make a video about it. Three yeah. people will see the video. <laughs> and those three people, you know, they might buy might, a product. They might they. enjoy it. You know, you <laughs> never know. You never know. We're in your our target audience, the young hipsters. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's me. I'm a hips. I'm a bit of a. I'm a bit of a hipster. Hipster. I gotta stir at my hip. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna. I was thinking about a way to transition this off of this topic, but I honestly got nothing. I was gonna say so hipster like the new Bendy and the Ink Machine game, but it's a horror game, so it doesn't really work. 
Not really hipster. We'll go there though. Yeah. So for all of you lovely people out there, I have a YouTube channel. <laughs> and like that's to nobody's surprise. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not like we've always mentioned it at least once in every episode. Literally you know. every episode. By the Keep way, <laughs> by the way, oh my goodness, I have a Disney World vlog. Oh, you all should watch it. Keep the, we should all watch it. You should all should watch it. It's gonna keep the trope going. That two hundred nineteen views right now. That's Even though he's crazy. got more new, new videos. Yeah, no, I actually do. I have three new new videos. Twitter videos out. We talked about that last week, though, so we're not gonna go into depth about that or anything. But uh, two days ago, as of the time of recording this podcast, uh, Benny League Machine. If you guys didn't know, was a horror game that. First released in 2017, it was a chapter-based game, and I think it figured finished up in like early 2019 or something. Um, and then Bendy in the Dark Revival was gonna be the um, the sequel to it, Part Two: Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it was originally gonna supposed to come out, I think, either like end of 2019. I think it wasn't then. I think it was like 2020-ish. But then it got delayed to 2021, and then it got delayed to now in 2022, the end of 2022 when it came out. And I honestly had kind of forgotten about the game, but then randomly on my YouTube homepage like two two weeks ago or something, I got Bendy in the Dark Revival official trailer. I was like, oh, it's finally here. And um, I bought the game when it came out immediately, $30 waste of my money but that's that's besides the point um it was it was it was a three out of five it was a three out of five um, I, thought you, I thought you bumped it to a four out of five while we were discussing it well no it was it was it was a, it was comedy oh. it was comedy i said it's a three out of five but because i got to play bendy simulator it's a four out of five. Oh, okay it i didn't a, get the joke so it, it kind of went over my head wow dude <laughs> I can't believe that. But anyways, Bending the Machine, it it was really good at first. The whole thing about it is it's like this very old-timey looking game, like like 1920s, 30s, 40s animation style. And it looks good. The music is really well done. But as you start to get further into the game, a lot of complaints a lot of people had was they involved a lot of combat and later on it was mainly combat that was what you were doing and the mechanics for the combat system was really bad in the first game so i get the second game and i'm like i play the first chapter and it's so good it's so good the the, the sound's so good the graphics are so good the vibe is so well done and you have zero combat encounters and it's so amazing i go oh my goodness they fixed bendy and Bendy in the Dark Revival to not have the stupid combat mechanic anymore, and I'm going to have a fun, spooky game. And then from Chapter 2, we get a little bit of combat. And I go, okay, no, that's not great, but I, I'll live with it. And then from Chapter 3 to Chapter 5, the whole game is literally just combat over and over and over and over, and I, hate it, I hated it so much. By the, end, by the end of Chapter 5, when there was a final boss battle, I was just so ready to be done. I was like, please, let this game end already. I'm begging you, set me free from this prison of Bendy and the Dark Revival. Anyways, three out of five. Um, it'll be on my YouTube in like three weeks or something. It reminds me of. Did you ever play that um, that Wii game uh, that had like Oswald was the main character? Um, what was it called? 
I forget, but it was like the old Disney characters. Um, and like your weapon was like a paintbrush and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? No. Really? No. Well, anyway, it was also like a horror type game. And I think that's the only like close to horror game I've ever played. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it because it's like um that it reminds me a lot of that, right? Cuz I think I don't actually know. I've never played Bendy. Right? Yeah. But it's like <clears throat> got the same kind of like oh, Epic Mickey was what the game was called. Yeah, no, I don't know if you've never ever heard, heard of it. it. No. Never heard of Epic Mickey? Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> so from what I've heard about Bendy, it has a lot to do with this supposed ink machine. Yes. Right? Which, like, I don't know. Based on the very little I know about the game, it has something to do with, like, the creation of these characters, right? Yes. And, like, turning them into, like, real, like, living characters. Living in air quotes, you know, because it's a game. Yeah. But that was basically what happened in Epic Mickey, right? Was that it was like the these characters somehow by this special ink were coming to life. And it was like all of these villainous characters. And it's like you're going through this game and you're just like defeating villains and stuff. It was it was like an interesting game. There was a lot of jump scares and stuff in it. Which was like a really big change of pace for me as a kid. Because I never really played horror games. Yeah. Like I missed all of the FNAFs and stuff. Uh, Unless you consider Minecraft a horror game, which, like, I definitely don't. <laughs> I don't think anybody would. I mean, it's, like, scary the first time you play it, right? Because it's, like, it gets to nighttime, and you're, like, being chased around by, like, giant spiders and stuff. That's not scary, like, though. Uh, it was kind of scary to, like, okay, all right, 10-year-old we... me. But <laughs> Really? 10-year-old yeah. you was scared? Yeah. Bro, I played Minecraft when I was five, dude. I know. You came late to Minecraft, bro. Child. I, I was late to Minecraft. I, I got the game the year it came out, bro. I, I was on top of it. Game. I was on top of it. I'm not an early adopter of anything, I would be honest. Wow. Except for Linux. But that's besides the point. Yeah. Anyway, it the seems like it's very similar. Early adopter. So I wonder if we go back and like mess around with that game, because we could probably get it on a simulator and just like play it. Because it's <laughs> like they have like a two player version. Yeah. Yeah. That came out later. And it was a pretty good game, I remember. It probably isn't as good as I remember it, because that's usually how that stuff works. Yeah. <laughs> but like you know interesting that it has such similar concepts with like this magic ink yeah. slash ink machine and it's like this... the whole point of that game is like you're using the paintbrush because you're like being able to like paint out the villains and stuff yeah which is it's interesting <clears throat> it's it's yes yeah, yeah so it's, I don't know. it's not completely similar i see what you're getting at though yeah so wait also i don't know that i've ever actually played any like story based like horror games though yeah. So is it like is it like an on rails adventure type thing? What do you mean? So like I guess the only like story I mean, like, based like game... I fall you have to follow a specific story like you can't stray from the path really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Like you do what it wants you to do. So there the only was... story based game I've ever really played and I still haven't finished it is like Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. I'm only like halfway through the game. <laughs> Does that game have multiple endings or is that an on rails game? I never played it. I think it's an on rails game. Okay. I haven't finished it though, so I don't know for sure. Also, I just remembered another rant I wanted to say. So, holding Bendy the machine in the first game is that Bendy turns out to be an ink, like the ink monster. They called him the ink demon. And he's like the main villain of the story. And how he works in the original game is he, what he'll do is he'll, from chapters three to five, because one and two is more like just still setting up the story and setting up like the character understanding how the 
the player understanding how the world works, how everything's going to work in the game. Mm-hmm. But from three to five, Bendy is like this, this like his mechanics work by he gets like at random intervals, he gets placed in a random location near the player and then like just kind of walks in the area that the player's in and they have to hide and he'll walk by them and then he'll eventually go away or whatever. And it's actually kind of spooky. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. When he shows up, this ink would like appear on the walls and you, and then you would hear this heartbeat and then you would know, oh, he's here, you know? And if he saw you, he'd chase you until you hid or, you know, eventually got got. Yeah. In the new game, Bendy speaks in this really edgelord voice <laughs> all the time. He sounds, oh, you know, he sounds like the dude from Pirates of the Caribbean. Davy Jones, the squid yeah. guy, the squid guy. Yeah. The way he talks, he likes, he like slurs and like goes like, you're the mother. You know how like the squid yeah. guy talks? That's like how you define scary. <laughs> Apparently. But he stops super edgelord. It's super annoying. And then yeah. the new mechanic for his character is, for, is that instead of him spawning in and then walking around where the player is. At random intervals, all of a sudden on your screen, there will be this like shaking animation. Everything will go black and white and it'll say the ink demon is coming. And then there's a timer for that. It's probably around five to six seconds. I didn't ever time it. And if you don't, if you don't get in a hiding place before that timer's out, he just appears and then kills you. That sounds really lame. And it's so lame. It's so lame because you don't even hide from him. You don't know. It's like, you're just like, oh, he'll, he'll, I just have to hide before and then he'll go away before it's like before it's like he's nearby but i don't know exactly where he is so either yeah. i could keep going and try to finish this or i could hide and try to wait it out but is if i keep going i might run into him or whatever yeah the uncertainty I think that produces a lot of fear is just like that uncertainty i think a yes. good example of that is like i'm sure most people here have seen jurassic park but they're saying i was reading this article the other day and it was talking about how the scariest scene in Jurassic Park does not actually involve dinosaurs. I'm sure it's been a while since you've uh, seen been Jurassic Park. Me. Yeah. But once I start talking about it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So there's this scene. <clears throat> okay, so just like a little bit of backstory. Like basically there's like a group of people and they get kind of split up, right? And so some of the people are at like this resort. That's being created. That's the whole idea is Jurassic Park. It's like they're going, they're creating this resort where people can go and see dinosaurs, right? Yeah. So like half of the people are at the resort and then this guy and like two kids are like out wandering through like the woods on this island with the dinosaurs. And it's, there's scary stuff that happens, you know, they have run-ins with big dinosaurs and with scary fast dinosaurs and stuff. Um, But the scariest scene is actually just like uncertainty right so like what you get happening is they come up to this like electric fence right so initially they separated the enclosures using electric fences but stuff went wrong and the electric fences got turned off and that's bad because if the big dinosaurs get out of the electric fences then they're free to roam around the compound and it's like basically moral of the story like it's it's terrifying everybody that these dinosaurs are going to get out And so the people back at the compound are trying to turn back on the electric fences, but the kids and the guy are out wandering around in the woods and they come across one of the electric fences and they want to get to the other side of it. 
Well, they figure out that the electric fence is off, and they decide to start climbing it. At the same time, there's people at the facility getting ready to turn the electric fence back on. Yeah. <laughs> so you just have this, like, incredibly suspenseful scene where it's cutting back and forth, and it's like you see these people climbing the fence, and then it's like it cuts away, and it cuts back to the people at the compound turning the power on, and it's like you have no idea what's going on. It's like, did they all <laughs> just die? <laughs> Yeah, of course. It's like a, it's like a kids movie. So it's like nobody actually dies, but that's like the scariest yeah. scene in the movie. And I think that's really interesting that you don't need something scary. You just need uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. That's which really I'm, what creates fear. Which I mean, there, I mean, there is something scary because it's like the ink, the ink dim is coming, but but it's not uncertain. You know when it's going to be there, right? Yeah. It takes all oh, of yeah. the uncertainty oh, yeah. out this, of it for this for the new game. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, it, it randomly happens, but you know, oh, he's not coming for me. I just have to hide in this certain amount of time and, I and think then I don't die. The, I think the bad part about that too is, is when once, I think after, it might be scary like the first couple of times or like yeah. up until you die for the first time. Then once you die for the first time and you know what happens at the end of the timer, it more, it's not scary anymore. It's just like, oh, I got to hide or else I have to restart, you know? Yeah. It's more of a pain than it is scary. <laughs> Actually, when it first happened, I was like, I still thought they were doing the old mechanics where he'd he'd spawn in and walk around. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, they really revamped the animation for this to make it such more suspenseful. And then and then and then and then later I realized, oh, just kidding. They made it really boring now. Yeah. And then and then and then it actually just got annoying because I'm trying to do something. And then it's like, oh my goodness, of course I have to hide. And then sometimes you'd be somewhere where there weren't any hiding places immediately nearby. Yeah. So you'd be sprinting over to the the closest hiding place and you know where it is. And then you don't make it. And then you just die. And you're like, there wasn't even anywhere to hide. <laughs> if, if he had spawned in and been walking around, at least I could have gotten like distance. You would have thought there was a chance. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought there was a chance. But then but then this, I'm just like, okay, well, I, I'll just die. It's fine. I just autosave yeah, not too long ago. Yeah, I don't have to get back to the... Redo this, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it, it ruined, it does, it did, it did kind of pull me out of the experience a little bit when I realized what was going on. Yeah. That's so I was like, oh. I said, what's the point? That sounds lame. It does make me interested yeah, no. to try the first one again, though. I've never oh. played it, but I think yeah, it would no. be fun. The combat system in the first game isn't great, but the first game is still, in my opinion, a 4 out of 5. Like it's still fun. It's still fun. Saying, I thought we were ranking on a scale of 10. <laughs> no, we're doing out of 5. Oh. We're cool here. We're cool here. So it was a 3 out of 5, not yeah, a 3 out three. of 10? No. no. I was like, it sounds like a pretty terrible game. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. I'd give it a 6 out of 10 if we were... Actually, no, a 5 out of 10. It's it's okay. um, in my opinion a five isn't like bad a five is like mediocre mediocre game yeah interesting sometimes people are like seven is mediocre you know and five yeah, is bad yeah. but but then if you're gonna do that then just do a one through five scale you know did we actually talk about that at all on the podcast last week uh no okay yeah so scales have been kind of at the forefront of my mind I think we've had this discussion a little bit off the podcast. Yeah. But like the way people define scales is like super weird if you think about it. Yeah. So the example that comes to mind whenever we're talking about this is uh my sister. <laughs> she asked me, How weird do you think somebody is on a scale of one to five? <laughs> and I was like, hang on. Like, first of all, 
like define weird second of all yeah. <laughs> define weird on your scale of one to five <laughs> yeah and she's like oh well like one is like boring and three is like normal and five is weird i was like wait really because it's like in my mind whenever i say one to five weird one is not weird and five is weird <laughs> yeah so like if somebody's normal they're a one <laughs> like, yeah you know, that, that's what that's, I would assume, too. That's weird that it's normal as a three. Right. But we didn't have that discussion initially. Right. So she was like, she was like giving me examples of people. And she was like, this person's like a three. I was like, they're like totally normal. She's like, yeah, I know. That's why they're a three. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. Anyway, scales are weird. Um, So you should are weird. ask somebody about that. Just like, just do it. It's It'd be funny if you just go up to somebody and you ask them. Well, <clears throat> ask them how weird you think somebody is on a scale of 1 to 5 or 1 to 10 without defining the scale, and you will get a very unexpected answer, I think. Yeah. Um, just because we all define weird differently, and we all also define the scale differently. <laughs> yeah. Because I asked you, I was like, is being weird a good thing? And you were like, No. At least that was my interpretation of your response, right? Is that it's bad to be weird. Yeah, pretty much. It's, and then I was like, but define weird. Yeah, and my definition of weird was it wasn't somebody who's out of the box or different. It's somebody who is like generally accepted to be abnormal. Like somebody who has like, you know, maybe somebody who's like on like drugs or something. And you're just like, this guy's just weird. Like, I don't like being around this person, you know? <laughs> That's, that's not like, at all how I define weird. <laughs> that's like my interpretation of weird. Like weird is like like generally like accepted by everybody that this person is just like someone you don't really want to hang around. Right. That's not how I define weird though. I define weird more like like not normal, right? The literal defin definition is like not normal. Yeah. So like if I consider normal to be average or boring, then being weird is a good thing in my mind, right? Because yeah. it's like, if you're weird, that means you've got interesting characteristics about you. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And that's a good thing in my mind. We should all have stuff that defines us. Yes. So, I don't know. It's an interesting exercise. You should go try it. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> yeah, My whole thing was, I don't think that a person's characteristic that defines them is part of being weird or normal. Yeah. Because I think, I don't think you're weird just because you like to do things or you enjoy something that most people wouldn't. As long yeah. as that thing you enjoy isn't something that I think is weird, you know, like drugs <laughs> <laughs> and that's a super arbitrary scale and it's like yeah. the more you pick apart somebody's interpretation of it the more you realize that it's like they don't also have a solid definition it's kind of fluid mm -hmm. right because it's like we make up these own definitions in our head anyway enough nonsense i, I will rambling, say though for but... all you <laughs> for all you in person though when i see you if you say something and i like as a joke say that's whack or that's weird champ weird champ <laughs> is a twitch thing so if you don't know if you never knew what that was you know now um I'm not. I'm not saying that in the sense of you're Literally a person weird. that I don't want to be around. Yeah. That's more in a joking sense. Let's just clarify that. <laughs> I have noticed that you've never actually said weird before. No, I always go that's whack. Yeah, you won't say the words that's weird. No, I just I like so. I like saying that's whack because it just sounds funnier. Well, yeah, but like it just shows that your interpretation of weird is much more serious than mine. So if you say something's weird, like that means you don't like it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's my idea. Versus, like, for me, if I say something's weird, it's more on your level of whack, where it's like, 
kind of funny to you know <laughs> almost making fun of somebody right <clears throat> or teasing i don't yeah. know that was interesting you know um but you know something that wasn't weird or very mediocre uh the new call of duty game that just came out well actually it was mediocre that's what I just said. Wasn't weird. It was very mediocre. Oh, I thought you said wasn't weird or mediocre. I was using my interpretation of weird. Well, no, I know. I said, but I, I thought you said wasn't weird or mediocre. Oh, and I was like, okay. wait, well, hold your horses, man. Because this game was trash. <laughs> wasn't it was trash. garbage. Throw it away, dude. Not Get garbage. Get rid of it, man. It's perfectly average. No. But what wasn't average was the sales. <laughs> the dude. sales on the game were record-breaking. And I get it's. I think it's mostly just because the original Modern Warfare Two is such a beloved game. Yeah, I is think that re- has a lot to do with the it. The original Modern Warfare Two was a really good game. The See, article that was when Activision was a decent company. <laughs> yeah. So the reason I wanted to talk about this topic was actually that, um, uh, because I came across an article that had a very pessimistic outlook on it, um, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, basically, Call of Duty is a very long-standing franchise. I mean, basically, mm-hmm. everybody knows what it is nowadays. Yeah. Um, But there's a lot of, like, problems around it recently. So, like, they have their... their that company, Um, is it Blizzard Activision is the company? Yeah, because Activision bought Blizzard or the other way around. Something like that. It's a, it's a company now. It's one company now. Yeah. But Blizzard, in particular, is known for having poor workplace environment. Also, I feel like we should bring this up. They've also had a lot of, a lot of, yeah, Activision bought Blizzard, but Blizzard also recently has been getting a ton of like, like, um, like sexual assault charges and stuff like the CEOs or like just stuff like that. Yeah. Like Blizzard is in the gutter. Oh man. So they're known for being kind of a poor company, right? They've had kind of poor recent entries to Call of Duty franchise as a whole, right? Like, I bought, like, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. This is kind of old news now, but I pre-ordered that. That was the last game I will ever pre-order. That game was so bad. <laughs> dude, the dude, the Battle Royale that they released, dude. <laughs> In addition to that, this game is now $10 more than it was last year. It's $70 instead of $60. Oh, really? And in addition to that, they have aggressively been implementing microtransactions into the game to get even more money out of their users. Mm-hmm. And in spite of all of that, they broke records for the number of sales on the game that is just mediocre. And people are buying the transactions too. People are buying the microtransactions too. This so is they're literally making... <laughs> this is literally EA, but they're not getting as called out for it for some reason. Right. And it's like the author of this article was just like pointing out that it's like, how can a company and a franchise as a whole be doing so poor? yet just, like, do so well on the launch of a game that's entirely average. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make any sense, right? And I think yeah. I think the conclusion that they kind of came to was that uh, maybe it's, it's because it's Call of Duty, right? Yeah. It's one of the biggest franchise. It may be the biggest franchise in gaming, right? Everybody always buys the Call of Duty games because everybody always plays the Call of Duty games. And people complain about the bad ones but they still buy the next edition every year. Yeah. <laughs> In spite of all of the problems with it, they keep buying this the next edition. And it's like, I think the interesting thing that they pointed out was that they have become kind of the gold standard for franchises in games. 
So you'll notice a lot of smaller franchises trying to copy the Call of Duty model, which is extremely unfortunate because basically they just copy paste the same mechanics, throw some different skins and some different colors and call it yeah. a brand new game. Actually, I got a game that's basically a Call of Duty ripoff and I played it once because it looked interesting. But then I was like, this is just Call of Duty and I don't like Call of Duty. So I haven't played it since it was called, I think, Shatterline or something. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's Shatterline. And I was like, it's just, it's just Call of Duty. It's just Call of Duty. But, but I think free. it's just sad to see that the gold standard for franchises is not implementing new mechanics. Mm-hmm. They're not significantly changing the game in any way. They're not adding anything new. They're just slightly better graphics, different skin sets, uh, you know, I mean, I guess they came out with like like sort of a new game mode a couple of years ago with Warzone, but like yeah, but that's what all developers strive to be is Call of Duty, and Call of Duty has got no originality or new or uniqueness to it. No, I'd actually argue, and I mean, there are a few games that have come out that have been really you know interesting, like oh, that's never been done before. But I would argue one of the only like large gaming franchises, like well, video game companies, I should say. <laughs> That actually does new things is Nintendo, and even then they have a they have a lot of issues too. Yeah, like, but I mean, even if you look at their franchises like Animal Crossing, it's like it's the same game over and over again. Yeah, I I give it I give Animal Crossing the pass though, <laughs> and it's, it's like it that's one music. of those franchises that's just so beloved by its user base that it's just. They don't need to change it. They can keep making money off of selling the same game over and over again. Animal Crossing was good, though. I mean, the new one one, one was really good. I didn't play it, but I watch people play it because I don't have a Switch. But, you know, it's unfortunate that we continue to buy these games, in my mind, that aren't unique. Like, when Minecraft came out back in the day, that was like a revolutionary game concept. That was completely, you know, It completely changes the gaming industry, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You look at like uh Breath of the Wild when it when it came out, right? That's one franchise that I will give Nintendo credit for is they have been doing different stuff with Zelda. Oh dude, um, Zelda cuz the original game, games the original games game. were very much on rails, but now they've started messing around with more of the open world models and yeah. the story building models. And yeah, I, but, I'll give them I'll give them But Ocarina of Time, bro, and Majora's Mask, bro. They're so good. They're so yeah. good. But like it's cool to see new stuff. Right. Also, come on, Odyssey, man. Odyssey, man. I don't know. You know. Maybe, maybe I'm too optimistic to try and get the point across here, but I think the way the article concluded was talking about, you know, like, is Call of Duty too big to fail? Is it? Is it never going away? Right. I feel like, like that is a big issue. Yeah. Is that it is? It really is too big to fail. Like, even when they have games that suck, like you know, Black Ops Four. Yeah, they bounce people back. still come back and buy the next they game for some the, reason. Buy the next one. Cold War was so buggy and so bad. I remember too. I haven't bought any and, game since Black Ops Four. I was and, so mad. <laughs> and and Battlefield has not been a competitor for like the past decade. No. Yeah. Like the new twenty, like either it was the twenty seventy seven game or something. Um, so bad. Battlefield. Was it? I, th- I think you're mixing up a couple of games there, but I know which game you're talking about. Whatever the newest entry in the Battlefield series. It was. It was Battlefield. Was it? Was it? Twenty forty two. I don't know. Some futuristic year. 
It was a futuristic. I I got the twenty seven seven from Cyberpunk, so I know that. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, not the right year, buddy. <laughs> not the right year, but it's up there. It's it's up there. It's up there. In addition to that, though, there's implications because Microsoft wants to purchase Activision Blizzard. Um, Ooh, which like starting to get kind of monopolistic territory, mm-hmm. especially it's freaking people out because. Uh, Microsoft has gotten in trouble in the past for being for having monopolies. <laughs> oh my goodness, dude! Back in the day with Windows, bro, with with Netscape oh, too. Oh yeah, Windows. Where they forced people to use their web browser. Yeah, Microsoft has has is no stranger to being um like obviously they monopolies. They didn't completely become a monopoly because you know you can't legally in you know the United States and not other countries, but they're. They're known for their uh, monopolistic habits, I guess yeah. I could say. Having to be broken up. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. They want to buy Activision Blizzard, and they've been buying up a lot of game studios. Um, they bought up Mojang a couple of years ago, so they own Minecraft. Um, I think there's and a they couple ruined of other. <laughs> I think there's a couple of other small game studios that they have bought up recently too. But this would be yeah. a big deal because since yeah, they, they own the consoles Bungie. too, I just had to mention that. That's oh, yeah. the that's oh wait no no sorry just kidding Sony bought Bungie yeah I was gonna say I don't think like they JK Bungie, but just kidding but Microsoft made sure to buy the rights of, from Halo from Bungie yeah of course because Halo's been an Xbox game yeah. for years and then Sony bought Bungie and the only game that they're really known for now is Destiny two <laughs> yeah I've never played the Destiny series either don't okay <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I think it, I think it's sad to see so many smaller studios being in like consumed by the Microsoft and the Sony's of the world. Yeah. Especially since they're the console owners. It's like, well, I don't want more console specific titles. I would rather have cross platform stuff that everybody can play. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the the goal. That's what we would like. But unfortunately, that's the consumer actually, friendly decision. This is a, a thing a YouTuber that I like to watch, Video Game Donkey. He he does funny videos on video games, but he also gets pretty serious sometimes. And he like mentioned he was like he was like we would all love a world where all game companies and all like companies who console companies all were working towards making games for the best interest of the consumer with no in, like money incentive motives. at all. But unfortunately, that's not how the world works. And companies like to make money, so I don't know. You know, I think I think money can be very good incentive structures, but I think it's more concerning when consumers aren't voting with their money, because if you disagree with what a company is doing, and you disagree with the quality of the games that have been in their franchises recently, and you disagree with like decisions that they've been making about the game recently, you should not be coming back every year and buying the game anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, you no. need to vote with your money. If people are upset at Call of Duty, they should not buy the next Call of Duty game, right? Yeah. But that never happens. And I think that's where the problem occurs is not so much that they're incentivized by money. It's that the consumers keep giving them their money even though they don't like what they're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, it, they have no reason to change anything. Yep. Even if even if you say, hey, can you guys change something? Here, Also, here's $70. Here's they'll $70. Be like, <laughs> they'll be like, thank you for the $70. No. No. Yeah, why would we? Why should we? we why should we put the effort and the time and the money into making a new and unique game when we can just sell you the same game as last year and not have to put any more effort in? Yeah. And you'll buy it. 
And that's the issue. You know, it, it really comes down to just like as a whole, I feel like, and there are not, not all companies are the worst, but it seems a, there are a lot of companies that just, you know, they just like to squeeze yeah. The grass of the consumer, which is leading into another thing I wanted to talk about, which yeah. was um, Adobe. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Adobe is the producers of the Adobe Suite, which is Premiere Pro, Photoshop, uh, Adobe Illustrator, Adobe, Adobe After Effects. Uh, if you don't know what those are, I'm, you, you, you know what Photoshop is. There's no way nobody knows what Photoshop is. But they're editing softwares, uh, Photoshop, photo editing softwares video editing softwares motion graphic design stuff anyways um recently so for a while i should back up give a little bit of context <laughs> for a while they had a partnership with a company called pantone so what pantone basically does is they originally started back in the nine uh 19 uh 20th century i suppose i don't know exactly when they started their company but pantone is basically a company where you can buy like those booklets of like colors so it was useful for like painters or for people <clears throat> who were into designer stuff and it's basically like when you ask for a pantone color of that color it's guaranteed that you always will get that color like it's like hex codes and rgb values but like even better so a lot yeah, of hex codes and rgb values can vary based on the screens yeah but with Pantone colors, the color you get will always be that color. And so eventually, you know, with the, with the coming of the digital age, you know, Pantone, you know, joined the digital age and they made virtual Pantone colors. And for a while, the Adobe Suite had a partnership with Pantone where if you had, you know, access to the Adobe Suite, you had access to the Pantone colors, which was super nice. But then all of a sudden, out of the blue, like a week or two ago, I think it actually might be three weeks at this point. Pantone came out and I Adobe came out as well. I don't remember who exactly started it. And they said, we are ending our partnership with Pantone is what Adobe was saying. Uh, you will no longer be able to access Pantone colors through the buying of our suite. They said, but they said legacy files will be okay. So if you have a file where you use Pantone colors, the Pantone colors will still be there and you'll be okay. Uh, but then people, uh, went into their legacy files to their old files and they started seeing everything that was supposed to be colored in black and white Ooh! so they lost their colors in their files that's a mega mega oopsie and then pantone by the way everybody it's 52 dollars a month for the entire creative cloud suite i believe which is absolutely insane because in two months, that's over a hundred dollars. That is, anyways, Pantone came out and they said we are now charging a subscription fee of fifteen dollars a month to use Pantone colors <laughs> with Adobe Suites. So now, on top of the fifty-two dollars to get the entire Adobe Suite a month, you also need to pay an extra fifteen dollars to get access to the Pantone colors. And the issue is, it's like, what are you gonna do? How do you protest this? Because there's nothing quite like Pantone, where it's like, when I ask for this color, it's this color. And also, Pantone is the industry standard. It's not like you can go out to some other company or some other brand or whatever and get their color schemes and then work in the industry if you have like some sort of professional job and they'd be like, here's this random company's color scheme. This is the color I want. They'd be like, we don't, we don't use that. That's super obscure. 
So it's like, how do you protest again? Because it's like, you can't just not give them your money because you need access to their library of colors. Yeah. And I think, I think the unfortunate thing is, is stuff like that does not hurt the industry. It hurts the individual creators who are trying to make stuff. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the sad thing to me, right? Is it's like companies are gonna be like, Oh, you need a little more, more money for me. That's fine. Whatever. It's like, we, we make so much money off of using your software anyways. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't hurt the industry. It's anti, it's anti-consumer and it's anti-individual is all that it is. Yeah. And that is, that is really unfortunate to hear more of the creative industry going that way because the, uh, um, sorry. Uh, the creative industry has always been about the individuals, right? Yeah. That's like what it's known for. Like you come into the engineering industry, for example, and it's like, you know, you're not going to have access to all the software unless you work for a company. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's like, it's typical to see thousand dollar licenses on stuff, which again, is not a big deal for large companies, but is extremely cost prohibitive for individuals. Yeah. So and- it's just like. I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate just, to see more of the creative industry going in that direction. Yeah, and like I, mean, I said, it's not like it's like you said, it's not like there's anything to be done about it consumer-wise because it's like the industry is going to keep buying it doesn't matter how much they charge. Yeah. And I mean even at one point, you know, Adobe was like one-time purchase. Yeah. Like you'd have to purchase the upgrades, but like it was like you could buy the software once and then you had access to it. And now yeah. it's like $52 a month subscription. Which is saying it's it's insane. Fifty two dollars a month doesn't matter for your designer industries of the world because they'll just pay it. You know, gotta yeah. keep going. But it, all it hurts is the individuals trying to make stuff. <clears throat> also, I heard somebody talking about this. Uh, it was it was Linus Tech Tips, everybody. Um, and I really liked what he had to say because this is actually literally the reason that I have Premiere Pro and all this Adobe stuff right now. As he said, he's like Adobe. Don't get me wrong. It's a good software. This is me. That's not what he said. Adobe <laughs> is a good software. I've used Premiere Pro. I've used Photoshop. I've used Illustrator. I've used After Effects. It's phenomenal. You can do so much with it. It is truly super useful. But he brought up something where he was like, he was like, I believe part of the reason that like the Adobe suite is such an industry standard tool and like, and it's like pretty much universally used by like all like smaller creators like obviously, if you have a Mac, you you you'll use Final Cut or like the uh, Apple equivalent. Yeah. The, the Apple equivalent. I don't know if they have a photo editor though either. Do you, I think I you think still would do. have to get Photoshop from Adobe. Yeah. Um, is there like he's like they offer these amazing discounts to to students, and then yeah. all of a sudden you learn how to use this software, and it's affordable, and then you're no longer a student, but you are fluent in this software. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? You're going to go learn another software. No. You're going to spend time and waste more of your time relearning, you know, relearning another software. Because I mean, for me, the Adobe uh, suite for one year as a student, because I was doing dual enrollment at the time of getting it, it was $220, which don't get me wrong. That's still a lot of money. But when you consider that four months is almost $220 of the normal subscription. Ouch. That's an incredible discount. Actually, yeah. let that's me just... The way, that's the way the engineering industry has always worked, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's always been, hey, you're a student, 
yeah, you can have a license to our software because we want you to learn how to use it. So that way, whenever you go to work at whatever company you go to work at, you tell them, hey, I know how to use this software. You should buy me a license for it. Yeah. Also, just want to let everybody know, that's $624 a year for the Adobe suite. Yeah, that's cost prohibitive for individuals. Because unless yeah. you're actually making money on it, like you have to be making money before you can even afford to start paying for something yeah. like that. Like for, for a company, that's nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's more for companies though, because you know that's an individual pricing. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it's in the upper thousands. But yeah. again, that's not that much for a company. <laughs> no. So it so I mean, like you already said, reiterating, it only hurts the individual. And part of the only reason that it's really the industry standard is because everybody has learned to use it because everybody got it dirt cheap. Yeah. As a college student, and then always so available to individual creators. Yeah. Um, There are, of course, great alternatives Um, for anybody who's actually interested. You know, I don't know if we have any content creators listening to this. I don't think so. Um, But (laughs) an amazing alternative Premiere Pro that um, actually is like a genuine, like very close to being industry standard. Not that the industry uses it, but like that's how (laughs) well it is, basically. How well. (laughs) How, how, yeah. How good it is at being <laughs> used. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Is um for editing, it's for video editing, it's a uh, DaVinci Resolve. It's a it's actually free too, which is crazy. I think I already said it was free, free regardless. Free for individuals. Free for individuals. Since we're having this discussion, just make sure to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. Um and it's a great software. Actually, a lot of professional video editors, not so much in like the movie scene and stuff, because they have all their crazy uh, color correction stuff, but a lot of like consumer like professional video editors and stuff will use like premiere pro for editing and then davinci resolve for color correction because that's how powerful their color correction is in this free software so it's it's a really good alternative for like photo and um illust for like adobe photoshop or adobe illustrator good alternatives are through affinity uh there's affinity photo and affinity um Another one for Illustrator. I don't remember exactly, which is probably what I'll be switching to. Those Inkscape. ones, huh? Inkscape. No. No. Affinity, <laughs> Affinity Designer. Oh. And Affinity Photo. Have you heard of Affinity? Yeah, I've heard of Affinity. Okay. You do have to still pay for Affinity, but it is a one-time purchase. Well, Inkscape is free, so you should try that, and it's pretty comparable to Adobe Illustrator. Yeah, it's probably open source too. It is. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) No, but Inkscape is actually an industry standard for artists. Okay. It looks like this is more like closer to like Adobe Illustrator though. Not so much Photoshop. Oh yeah. That's what I said. It's more like an Adobe Illustrator. Okay. I might actually look at this then. It looks kind of cool. Yeah. Um, But but you still have to pay for Affinity, but it's a one-time purchase and it's $70, which is much better. That but will it's much better than six hundred and twenty four dollars. Actually, right now it's on sale for forty percent off. Ooh. Maybe I should buy it because I'm gonna eventually need to switch to it anyways when I lose the Adobe Suite in a few months. Yeah. Um. Oh, they also have it on iPad for twelve dollars. It's crazy. I have actually been impressed by iPad apps, but that's probably a topic for another day. That's another day topic. Yeah, we're not gonna get into that. Yes. But. But yeah, but. I don't know. I I don't lots like of, lots of anti-consumer activity. Yeah, as a content creator, uh, loosely put put that in air quotes, <laughs> big air quotes. I mean, I am creating content, but I don't want to give anyone the impression that I'm like a 
professional. Professional. <laughs> um, it sucks. You don't to... take yourself too seriously, right? That's what the beginning of the episode said not to do. Oh yeah, dude, you're right, man. Okay. If we if we include that <laughs> intro, which that's the only intro we have, so yeah. We oh, will. that's right. <laughs> I forgot we might scrap that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna keep this in because it's a funny outtake. You're right. Um, man, I lost my train of thought. Darn you, man. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. No. No, we're not done. <laughs> we're not, thinking, we're not done. <laughs> Thought we were done. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, <laughs> I do want. I do want to. I do want to let you all know, guys. Oh, he had to do it. Because my merch is gonna. My merch. I ordered some. Of my merch is gonna. Be, it's gonna be here by Monday, by November twenty first. So that's pretty exciting. Because I'm gonna be wearing it on the Christmas special episode of the podcast. It's gonna be pretty lit. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible word to use there, but <clears throat> gonna be what it is. pretty fire, my guy. Oh, flames my on flames, dude. It just gets worse, dude. Am I no, allowed to end it now? No cap on a stack. Can I end it now? <laughs> it's gonna look bussin' bussin'. That's not oh, even. That's not even relevant because that's food. But <laughs> am, I, am I good to roll the outro now? <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening what? to this. <laughs> I wanted to do it. Okay, go. <laughs> you better cut that. <laughs> oh, no, it's funny. Not funny. Didn't laugh. Donkey Kong. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, been been a bit of a wild ride. Talked about some video games. Talked about some lab-grown chickens. Not yeast. Um, actual lab-grown chickens. <clears throat> um, I'm cutting that. <laughs> the Artemis One. The Artemis One rocket launched. And uh, go ask somebody if you're how weird you are on a scale of one to ten. It'll uh, it'll start an interesting conversation. But uh, we might be back next week. Um, I don't think we've. Decided I don't know if yet. we'll do that because it's Thanksgiving week. It is Thanksgiving week. We may or may not have an episode out next week, and if we yeah. don't, we definitely will have one out first week of December, right? Don't do this to me, man. Yeah, hundred percent guarantee there. <laughs> oh, no, hundred percent. How about this? Hundred percent money back guarantee. So if it's not there, you get a refund. And they haven't paid anything, so that so that the refund is zero dollars. Exactly. See? Smart. Just don't smart. read the fine print. Anyways, smart. we'll see y'all later. Uh. <laughs>